0: Welcome to episode four of Huskers in demand this is your host here Christian demand checking in on September 15th 2021 com- coming off of a consecutive uh, victory for Nebraska Nebraska took down Buffalo 28 to 3 this past Saturday um, on 9-11 was great remembrance uh, was quite hot uh, but before we get to recapping the game I want to kick it to my co-host here to tell you uh, the bad omen he tried to give us before the game even started
1: now I'm drawing a blank that's your me. the bad omen remind me
0: Well, it may or may not have to do with that $80,000 truck you just bought.
1: Oh, okay, gotcha, that bad omen. Yeah, set up a nice tailgate. Of course, everyone knows the wind blows uh, pretty regularly in Nebraska. Taking care to make sure everything is okay and um, try to put up a panel to block the sun because it was a very hot day. Got a quick little wind gust and had one of the poles slap up against the side of my truck and take a nice little chunk out of the paint. So it's a great way to start although uh, earlier in the day we dodged a uh, a cart flying through the the uh, parking lot to to not hit it so that was a good thing but you know hey collateral damage before the game then they got the win so I'll sacrifice a paint chunk to get
0: that yeah it was definitely uh, all all over the place from uh, like you said shopping carts flying around to uh you know, just being gone, going to the bookstore to return some shoes, coming back with a, with a gouge of paint out of the car. So the, the tailgate got off to an interesting start. Uh, ended up rounding up very nicely. Um, even though it was a pretty hot day, it was nice to be able to just sit out um, and enjoy. You know, we got some cold snacks uh, that we brought with the cooler, watching uh, watching the Oregon-Ohio State game on an iPad. Uh, definitely got the uh, the first full tailgate experience um, with the new truck in the new parking spot. So very excited for that uh, getting to the game that took place on Saturday, uh, 28-3, at, you know, obviously, uh, reading it at face value, it kind of sounds like things were handled well, uh, and they were to an extent, uh, but there definitely are some things that, we, that we're going to get into here on the offensive and defensive side of the ball. Uh, but the first thing I want to discuss with you here, Joe, is really just looking at the three touchdowns that we got called back due to, uh, due to penalties. I don't know if I've ever seen that happen. Uh, with any football game I've ever watched in my lifetime, as far as having three in the same game, uh, two of which were on uh, questionable calls here, so I guess which uh, which one do you want to tackle here first?
1: Well, as you said, we seem to be saying that a lot with this team over the years. things we've never ever seen before seem to happen. So not only have we had certain mistakes that we've never seen happen, you know, now we're seeing points come off the board or I'm sure we'll get to the special teams that was part of it as well but for me, I think it was the, the very last one. It was the uh, the, la- the the phantom lateral or phantom forward pass, I guess is what they called. Um, you know, I've watched it over and over and over. And I think the biggest thing for me when it comes to referees is th- they're going to make mistakes. That's fine. There's 11 seconds to go in the game. Um, it was just a quick little toss play. It wasn't anything crazy. It wasn't even a full-blown option necessarily, but it was a design toss like that with uh, Nixon coming back to the line of scrimmage in motion, bubble into the backfield, and then kind of flaring out for the pitch. The most interesting thing is every single replay I've seen, it doesn't matter where the ball was necessarily. The referee that called it was four yards behind the play. That's the thing that blows me away. I have no idea what kind of special ninja skills he has to be able to think that he can call that play. Um, And then, you know, once they went to replay, you know there was no way they were gonna reverse that. We called that in the stadium. That place was going crazy, and and for me, that was the most egregious call. Uh, but any one of the three could have been in that same category. For sure,
0: uh, the, the the illegal forward pass, like you said on on that on that toss option play, was interesting just because obviously it's you know it's something that you see called every now and then. But it's one like you said, it's one of those judgment things where usually it's a line judge that's standing still. Uh, makes that call. But like uh, you know on replays that we've seen the official that made the call and threw the flag was moving himself behind the ball. So you know obviously the question is how can he how can he determine that ball's going forward from the angle that he was looking at. Uh, the say the, the one that I want to look at is the other uh, kind of a, a egregious call was it was an offensive pass interference that we got. Uh, basically we had twins left and uh, a full backfield so a, a back on either side of Martinez on in the shotgun and one of the backs loops out on a wheel and the, the twin guys on the left side of the line of scrimmage run slants internally so that you know just running their route slants there, there is there is a little bit of a bump but certainly nothing egregious uh, obviously the guy out of the backfield's wide open catches the touchdown but the uh, kind of the same thing that we talked about the back judge uh, the one standing at the pylon is the one that calls that pass interference, it's not the line judge or the umpire that's in the middle of the play. Uh, even on replays, you can't even see the flag come in. That's how late it is, which, again, is just disheartening to see a touchdown taken off the board for something that really didn't need to be there. Um, and I just my one of my favorite things, not that I enjoy seeing it because it's bad calls, but I love when Frost gets jacked up on the sideline mean um, yeah, the the this offensive pass interference that I'm talking about was in the first quarter, so he was a little uh, calmer. But the illegal forward pass was at the very end of the game, so he he absolutely lost it, which was uh, which was really funny to see.
1: Yeah, I love uh, when you see a coach call not one but two timeouts solely to talk to the officials, and that happened later on. But I mean, it's it, it was good to see some emotion come out of him because he he is a fiery guy. It's kind of under the radar, fiery, but that's how he played and, and he's a tough guy. So I want to see that more from my coach. I want to see him not only protecting the players, but, uh, you know, getting after officials and pushing the limit on some of that stuff when it's necessary.
0: No, I totally agree. That's something that we, uh, you know, I grew up with kind of playing with that way of, you know, you don't need to be a hothead all the time, but when it's needed, uh, it's nice to know that your coach can go there. Uh, now, the third touchdown that Nebraska had called back was for, was for a holding call on our right tackle. Uh, you know, you and I would both agree Watching it in the stadium, it was pretty, uh, pretty obvious as far as holding goes. Uh, you have the the defender beat him inside. He held on a little bit too much, um, and that basically gave Martinez the extra second to throw the 50 yard pass he did for a touchdown. The sad part is, is the catch was incredible. Uh, Xavier Betts basically tipped the ball over the head of the defensive back and then caught it standing in the end zone. So it would have been probably just you know sports <laughs> sports center top ten play that was taken off the board because of a penalty. Um, you know, that one, it's upsetting because obviously you lose a touchdown, but that one's a little more um, understandable because, you know, again, looking at the replay, it was, it was a pretty, pretty easy hold to call. You know, Martinez knew it after he threw it. Uh, obviously, our lineman knew it right after, so that was disheartening to uh, to see, obviously, again, in the stadium dropping drop a touchdown, but easier, <laughs> easier to swallow than the other two.
1: Another one on the offensive line, too. We'll talk about that more, but uh, the O-line is, is not playing well, and that's a perfect example of someone being lazy. There's plenty of things you can do when you get beat. And um, in that particular play, he didn't do any of them. So you let the guy get beat, I mean, your quarterback's going to take some hits. Uh, You you can't make that play. It's just horrible.
0: Uh, unpacking the uh, kind of the flow of the game, like I talked about, obviously again, twenty-eight-three final score seems kind of like it was an ass beating, but even though it felt that way at times, uh, it, was, it certainly was far from that. You know, specifically looking to just the scoring plays. You know, it was zero-zero after the first uh, after the first quarter. We went up fourteen nothing at halftime, but then even going into the fourth quarter, it was only fourteen-three. And I'm pretty sure you and I weren't sitting together, but I would imagine that you and I both had the same feeling of, like, it was it uh, it was it was kind of teeter-totter how things were uh, how things were going to go on uh, uh, just in the game in general. I mean, only being up 11, we had made a bunch of mistakes, plus we had missed three field goals uh, that we'll see, that we'll talk about later as well, that I was very nervous that they were going to be able to, you know, obviously one score, they're only within a couple points. So I was very nervous going into the fourth.
1: Yeah, and that was a good football team, and there's no doubt about it. We knew going in this is the best team of the three we've played so far by far. I mean – Buffalo would beat the hell out of Illinois and Fordham on any given day, in my opinion. So it's, it was tough. And uh, you know, when they when it was fourteen three and they had the ball driving, I was extremely nervous. There was no lead that was big enough in this game. Even twenty eight three, I still wasn't completely satisfied. Um, but pretty good team effort. And you know, to get back to the to the officials, there were twenty penalties called in this game. I mean, there was no reason for twenty penalties to be called in this game. It was it was ridiculous and. Those are the kind of things that I don't like to see. I think you said it was a Big Ten crew, which scares me even more. But um, this was not a sloppily played game by the players. And there there weren't a lot of situations where there were 50-50 calls. There were just flags flying all over the place. So I get concerned about that going forward when it comes to conference season. If this crew comes back around to any game, I mean, they can change the outcome. And that's not what they're there for.
0: That's the worst part about officials is you don't want them taking over games. You know, obviously their job is to keep things within line, but it's not to it's not to control the game. And that I, it's funny you mentioned the Big Ten thing. That was one of the first things I looked up when we got back to the hotel because I had it in my mind of you know maybe this is a Matt crew or a Pac-12 or you know like you know just a different conference crew than something we're used to having. Sometimes you see that in a bowl game, but obviously I get back figured out that it's a Big Ten crew, and I I definitely felt disheartened about the the official perspective uh just as you did but
1: yeah i was really hoping it was a Mac crew, like you said or, or even a neutral neutral crew of some kind because it's sometimes they do that when we have a visiting power five team in there or, or not a power five but a, a visiting team that's uh you know highly highly
0: rated like they were last year but
1: it's uh <laughs> i can't figure out how a big 10 crew just keeps getting worse and worse and worse
0: yeah, part of me still feels like they're uh, they're still just holding it against us for for whatever reason they would like to, but that's uh, that's that's my side of things for sure.
1: Seems to be the case. That's a separate pod that we probably need alcohol for.
0: There'd need to be uh, need to be some other enhancers in the, in that podcast. So what we want to do as far as diving a little deeper into the game here is I'm gonna I'm gonna hit some quick points on the offense, um, and then I'll kick it over to you to cover for the defense. Obviously, we kind of banter back and forth here. Uh, As far as the offensive recap, you know, I I talked about it on last week's pod about needing to start fast because we didn't start fast against Fordham, and I felt that was going to be a key against Buffalo. I would say that we started relatively fast, except for obviously putting the ball in the end zone or through the uprights, which counts. And we we moved the ball relatively well to start the game, really didn't have any issues throughout the entire game, but just couldn't get points on the board uh, soon enough. Uh, part of the reason why we, we were moving the ball is we saw very good quarterback play from uh, Adrian Martinez, and then Logan Smothers came in at the end of the game. Uh, both of them executed the offense uh, very well, and that helped, uh, obviously, power us to the victory. Uh, sticking or Keeping it in the backfield, one thing that I was a little frustrated with is the run game, and I know you and I kind of talked about this after the game of Frost decided to, you know, he decided that in this game that he was going to commit to the inside run, you know, running between the tackles. You know, we don't run much of a zone scheme, kind of like Wisconsin and Iowa do. We have a different version of that. Uh, But it flat out wasn't working. Uh, You know, if you look at the stat sheet, uh, we still ran the ball pretty well, you know, for, you know, 220 yards um, on 41 attempts, so five yards a rush. The problem is, 71 of those yards was a Martinez scramble that ended up a great play by him. So if you take that out, 3.7 Three point seven yards per rush uh, is good, but it's not good enough against Buffalo. I guess what do you what do you like? What would you like to see that number be from the running back perspective? You know, in in Big Ten play.
1: I mean, I think there's got to be a five in front of it. That's the number that pops in my head. You got to be averaging five, and what that means is, you know, if you push your guy off the off the ball two yards. Running back's going to get a couple more. You're getting three, four yards a pop, and then you then you can snake out a 10 or 15, 20-yard run. that pumps that average up. But to me, it's got to be five. It's got to be the goal. I mean, you see these teams that can run the ball well, and that's where they're at. And we've talked about it a million times, and Frost has taken a ton of heat over this. You know, we thought we were getting this high-flying offense and everyone's going to have to adjust to us and the ball's going to be flying everywhere, and we're all going to be happy because we're scoring 50 points a game. It doesn't work like that, and I'm, I'm a little bit more on the side of I like to see that pounding run, even though even though it didn't work very well, just because when it comes conference season and for us to sustain winning, we're going to have to commit to the run, whether it's weather-related, whether it's time of possession-related, all those different things. Uh, this team has got to be able to run between the tackles, and you know like to see a little more mix-up of uh, some off-tackle runs, and even the option showed itself a little bit, too, but this team has got to be able to run the football. And, and, you know, you make a great point of running it to set up the pass and getting your passes set up earlier in the in the game to get some points on the board so you're not coming from
0: behind. But uh, the, the bottom line is these guys got to execute and find a way to run the ball. Um, you know we're, we're both in agreement that obviously running the ball is very important. The one thing that I – Struggle with is you know running the ball is not as important as it was you know 10 15 20 years ago. You know you look at the teams that win conference and national championships now. Even traditional schools like Ohio States and Alabama's that ran similar offenses to what Nebraska did in the 80s and 90s. Both of them have adapted to athletic quarterbacks, high flying, moving offenses that put that push people down the field. Uh, and, and the reason I say that. And why I want to see it from Nebraska is one what I've seen in you know three and a half years under Frost is we don't play very well from behind, so we need to get up ahead on teams, and it's it's hard to get ahead on teams when you run the ball into the tackle for a couple plays, then have to punt and give the other offense the ball. Um, but it's like I'm I'm in between because I agree with you that I'd like to see us you know trying to establish the run, but at the same time especially against Buffalo, you know, Martinez had nine pass attempts in the first half. That's just, in my opinion, that's it's just not enough to, A, assist the run with a threat of a passing attack, but, B, you know, that that number's got to be 15, 12 to 15, kind of somewhere in that range. You know, somewhere around 30 attempts per game. Um, throwing the ball, it's got to be where he's at.
1: No, I'm with you there. With only 20 passes and, what was it, 16 or 17 by Martinez, it's just not – it is. It's not enough. But you know, maybe for some reason in this game they're trying to establish something because we clearly have set ourselves up with him at quarterback for teams just to know that we're going to stop this guy uh, and we're going to stop him from from. Th- we're going to make him beat us throwing the ball. It's kind of what teams do. So you know, we're coming into these games at a disadvantage because we haven't proven we can run the ball at all in the last couple of years, and we're dependent on him. And you go back to the great teams that are winning national titles the last six, eight, ten years. They all have athletic quarterbacks that can run, but I, I can't think of any designed runs in any of those important games that, that all those teams ever had. It was only on a scramble or being able to get a little bit more time to throw a pass or whatever, but to your point, they came out gunning and setting offenses back on their heels a little bit to open up the run. Our problem is is we've got we've not established anyone that can actually run the ball, and that starts up front. So until we can do that, Um, it's going to be a long road, and and speaking of long roads, we're
0: going to see it on Saturday. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, as I have here in my notes, I think the offensive line group, I don't think they played poorly, per se, on Saturday. I I definitely think they have the most room for improvement. Um, And to your point, you know, like we talk about all the time, you know, Frost is a very intelligent – he's just an intelligent human being, much less intelligent when it comes to football. So, for all we know, he was running those dive plays just to to avoid putting on film the pass plays he has drawn up for Oklahoma. Because, you know, I – uh, understanding that Oklahoma is a much better team than us. If we come out and run, you know, if, if Martinez only has nine pass attempts in the first half, we're going to get our asses handed to us on Saturday.
1: Well, and our problem is, too, up front, we're not seeing a punch. And, and, and gone are the days of trying to drive a guy back three or four yards. I'm not asking that. But we're, we, we don't see a collision at the line of scrimmage and a punch. We're catching everybody. So it's a catch and a hold and try like hell to give him two, three, four seconds to throw the ball. There's no separation. I mean, even a reset of your hands where you're punching a guy out or if you do get beat right or left, they're not punching him to the side. They're turning their body and trying to hold on to this guy and just ride him to the ground. I mean, I I don't understand that at all. We've got some big, strong guys with long wingspans. It's not about being 320 pounds. It's about, you know, making a a collision at the line of scrimmage and blowing a guy up and and physically trying to, to give him a shot and give him a hit. I don't see enough of it. People talk about playbook or this O-line's got to gel or not having a good enough grasp to be confident to do what you need to do 100%, you know, 100%. doesn't matter what the hell the play is. At the end of the day, if you beat the guy across from you or keep him contained, you've done your job. You're good. And if we had more of that, we don't even need all five guys to do it every play. That would be the, the ideal, but if we need more O-linemen making plays, making impact plays.
0: Yeah, you know, I, I I watched a little bit of the game back. I haven't seen a ton of it. But the one thing that I would like to see more of from the offense is it just seems like the – it almost seems like they can't figure out the scheme correctly. You know, to your point, like if, if one person has a bad assignment or, or misses their guy on a pass play, Martinez is athletic enough to make that guy miss. But the problem is if – somebody misses up the middle, so he can't step up and he has to step out. And then if the tackle also only holds his guy for two seconds, and he's got two or three guys on. him, we see that more often where it's like, it's, it's, it's an interesting thing. I, you know, it's hard to, I don't want to get into it too much. Cause obviously you and I haven't sat down and watched the film together, but it seems like on, especially on pathways, sometimes there are missed like schemes as far as like who has who and who's supposed to be protecting who, uh, which will be interesting to see going forward, uh, kind of wrapping up the offense, um, uh, Looking at the pass game, I was uh, we didn't see quite as many, um, like, 10 to 20-yard shots that we did against Fordham. Um, but we did see two long touchdown passes. I believe they were both 68 yards, which is kind of ironic that they ended up being the same length uh, to Samari Touré, which was very nice to see. Martinez had clean pockets in both of them. Uh, through through very good balls that were direct down the field. They didn't float, you know, hit him in stride, and he's off to the races. Uh, so very excited to see us have and put on film that we can do that because it's going to help us out at some point on a long run or another long pass, or it's uh, just seeing that. We haven't seen – I haven't seen that play probably since – you know, maybe 2017 with like Jordan Westercamp or somebody like it's been a long time since we saw a receiver do it twice in the same game
1: yeah a Kenny Bell Wester Westercamp, or you know even Stanley Morgan didn't really have too many of those but it's nice to see a shot even if you know talk about fly patterns down the side where a guy runs 40 yards and even if you overthrow him by 10 yards out of bounds who the hell cares it's like you show you can do it you show your arm maybe this will back off Oklahoma a little bit we'll get all to that but I was impressed with him. He played a really good game. That's two in a row. I'm not. I'm pretty critical of the kid. He's, but he's he's clearly athletic and can do a lot of things and shows a lot of leadership. It's just he, he's going to need more help. And you know, when we get that help, he can shine. Um, but you know, it, it's still it, when we play these elite teams that are coming up and get into conference, it's going to be even more vital for him to make quicker and quicker and quicker and quicker, and quicker decisions. And it's it's getting there, but. He's still going to need to to operate a little more uh, with a little bit more urgency.
0: Uh, but the, you know, obviously, the biggest takeaway from him is that it's, it's now two games in a row that he doesn't have a turnover, and actually, to to this point in the season, obviously, Nebraska's played an extra game than most teams. He does have, I think, it's the ninth best QBR um, in the league, which is it's one of those things, like you said, people, you know, it's he's making it very hard for Nebraska fans specifically to not be fans of him with the way that he's playing right now. Obviously, that gets tested on Saturday, so we'll see what next week's conversation about this looks like.
1: No, I'll de- I'll definitely take it, and uh, you know, we we. Could be or should be three and zero, but we're two and one going into Oklahoma, so we got an opportunity here in these subsets of games. I can't believe you know a fourth of the season is already over. Uh, it happens really quickly, but uh, yeah, overall, I'll take the offensive performance, and you know, again, we'll get into special teams and some of the problems we had there. But uh, that game was was well in hand a lot earlier than the scoreboard said it was, and um, it was kind of interesting looking around Memorial where. I think the fans felt that. I mean, everyone was kind of – we're always waiting for the, for the other shoe to drop. We, you and I are too, and that's that's a really tough way to watch a football game. But it was very nice to, to walk out of that stadium. We played a good team. Um, and, and to get a win like that and not have to feel like you're completely drained just holding on to the edge of your seat, was it was nice. So, you know, it's a good thing because with the intense heat that was out there, Probably would have had much, many more people dropping like flies if we had to strain through another game. Uh, but that wasn't the case. So I, I got to give the offense a lot of credit for sticking with it and making plays and, you know, not too many stats. That was 61 plays overall for the game, for the offense. I mean, that's that's not a lot. So that's two games in a row we haven't had, you know, too many plays to to really search from. I mean, our, our opposition at Buffalo ran 83 plays. So that is a big difference. It's a whole nother quarter's worth of plays that we didn't get a chance to run.
0: All righty, kind of wrapping things up on the offense here. What did uh, you see from the defensive side of the ball?
1: Well, defense, I mean, it's the only thing that stuck out to me was we didn't get a sack. I mean, this this was a good quarterback. He really was. This kid can play, and um, he's experienced, and that's the example I use when I when I measure Martinez, is this is a kid who, I mean, we had pressure on this guy all day long, and just because you don't have any sacks doesn't mean you didn't do your job up front, but you know, we should have had a couple times where he dropped him. But, you know, he knows he had three offensive linemen, I believe, that are starting fresh this year. He only had two guys back. So they're piecing together an O-line, basically going with their second string running back because the, uh, the other guy left to, to follow the coach to Kansas. And, you know, it's a perfect example. This guy knew when to get rid of it. He knew when to throw it on field. He knew when to hit the turf and live to see another day. But... That's the the part where you've got a quarterback smart enough to manage the game and get through it. But I thought the quarterback pressure was uh, really, really good. This linebacking crew shined like I've never seen them shine so far. Um, Heinrich is an absolute beast. I don't know what happened to this kid, but he's playing totally different than he ever has. Maybe it's just the evolution of him getting bigger and stronger and more confident. But, um, I mean, you know, our, our top two linebackers are ones, you know, an Omaha kid who we thought was gonna be really good, but it wasn't like he was a world beater on a national stage. And the other kids from North Lincoln, that was a walk on that they discovered really quickly that you know, we had to give a scholarship to. So it's not like we've got this uh, four and five star talent from all over the place. We got two Nebraska kids that are basically wreaking havoc all over the place. And for me, the play of the game um, from the linebackers was Heinrich uh, sniffing out the, the screen pass. Um, I don't know if you remember this specific play, but they've showed it a bunch of times on Twitter where Buffalo drops back. He was actually blitzing, and his guard kind of just paused a little bit and then released downfield, and Heinrich released with the guard and blew up the screen right as his running back caught the pass. I mean, that's hard to do. You can't see. You've got your assignment where you're supposed to be blitzing the quarterback, so you want to complete that. I mean, he was smart enough to totally cut that off and sniff out the play. I mean, technically, he didn't do his job because he was supposed to blitz, but he really did do his job because he played football and made a good play. So that's good to see, and we're definitely going to need that going forward. Our strength is completely opposite on defense right now, what I thought it would be. You know, it's up front and it's in the middle linebacking core. The, the back end has not played terrible, but that's been the worst group of, of those three groups on defense. And that's interesting because we, I think we have our best talent in the backfield, safeties and corners, but they're certainly not impacting the game like they could or should. So again, you know, maybe that's an opportunity for them to step up against Oklahoma. Um, we've got a pretty complete defense, which is nice. And, you know, I, I still wanted to see that extra D lineman in there. We only had two all the time and you got Nelson running around and, and other guys on the other other side doing different things, rotating through and. That's nice to see, but it's. Um, I thought the defense played really well. And we're just disruptive is, is the key thing. I mean, for all the plays that Buffalo ran and for all the time those guys were out there, uh, and as hot as it was, there were a lot of impact plays to, to keep them from shorter gains and not really breaking something off long.
0: Yeah, that was the biggest thing that I wanted to bring up uh, about the defense specifically is in the, in the defense that we run, especially like what you were talking about, that we talked about it last week of having two down Linemen and then you know the two defensive ends really being stand-up linebackers like that you know they touch down every now and then but they're basically linebackers they don't they're not they're not true defensive ends. Um, in that system, it puts a lot of pressure on the linebackers. So it was nice to see our two inside guys, Luke Reimer and Nick Henrich, like you mentioned, those two those two guys combined for 24 tackles and then Reimer had an interception as well. So it's nice to see that uh, we can run that defense and they can trust that those guys to make smart. Uh, plays at full speed, like you mentioned. You know, Reimer had a big stop on uh, on a fourth down. Uh, I think it was like fourth and two or fourth and one. They had a little screen pass, basically. He was covering the back out of the backfield and won a foot race against the running back to the to the first down marker after he caught it uh, to make the tackle, which was a great play. So it uh, that was a very good – it's a very good thing to see defensively that Beacon can put – uh, you know, I'm hoping what that means is that we can maybe start sending a couple more guys to get that to get the quarterback down. You know, having seven QB hurries is impressive, uh, but you know, having no sacks is uh, is a tough one, especially against a team like Buffalo, when we know we're going to be playing tougher talent, not only this week but later in the season.
1: Yeah, and, and you know, a third Nebraska kid from Scotts Bluff way in the middle of nowhere, Garrett Nelson, he's the other kid that really had a good game too. I mean, he, he's he's putting together a heck of a season. If he plays like this in the conference season. He's definitely going to be getting some all-conference attention. The guy's everywhere. And he's not putting up the gaudy stats, but he's affecting almost every play that's out there. And he's being smart. He's motivating people. You know, you see him uh, even going and pumping up and talking the offense up when, when it's their turn. So it, it's it's interesting to me how we can recruit nationwide and, you know, we can get these top 25 recruiting classes. But, you know, three kids from Nebraska are playing better than anyone else on defense at this point, and it's not even close.
0: It's uh, very exciting to see. You. Obviously, hopefully, that trend continues as we continue to pull kids from Nebraska uh, moving forward. Uh, kind of wrapping up the Buffalo situation here. I want to touch on special teams quickly. Don't you know? Don't want to spend too much time on it because we're kind of beating a dead horse. Um, but special teams on Saturday, uh, Connor Culp, our all Big Ten kicker last year, kicker of the year. Uh, in the Big Ten conference, went over three on field goals. Uh, one of them, I would say, is kind of questionable because he kicked it over the upright, but it certainly wasn't obviously good um, that he that he had at the end of the game. And then uh, punting, uh, we did have a punt that got down to the one. Um, I think that was the loudest I heard the stadium on Saturday. Um, but, you know, still just, again, looking at the stats, having – uh, you know, five punts for a 36-yard average is just—it's just not good enough. Like, especially because his longest was 41. Like, it's not like—it's you know, not like you know—it's not like he to pin him deep. He had to kick a short ball. Like, I just—it's—I don't understand because it, you know—and the reason it's frustrating is they did—they uh, did something I haven't seen in a long time, which is—which uh, is quick kicking it. So they kept their offense on the field, and the quarterback punted it. The quarterback punted it, obviously with some roll, but he punted it 80 yards. It was a tough like it, it rolled all the way into the end zone. So it's one of those things of like, again, you know, that's I'm not taking the eighty for granted, but that ball still went in the air 40, 50 yards. Like it didn't roll a hundred. So I mean, that's how is their how is their quarterback able to grab the ball and kick it farther than our punter can on average? I can't figure that out.
1: Well, think about what you just said. He went zero for three from for uh, for field goals. I mean, when's the last time you saw any kicker go zero for three in field goals and? Not only that, the other kicker missed three field goals. We saw six missed field goals in this game. It's like watching a high school game. Which is, it's ridiculous. Yeah, exactly. I've never even seen that at any level. I mean, even back in your junior days where it was basically, you know, pop the top of your helmet and and the, the leg pops up and kicks the ball straight-legged, you could still make a 20, 25-yarder. I just couldn't get it. Now, I give Connor credit for coming out and talking to people after the game and, you know, they ask him about the questionable one at the end that really was good. He's like, well, I should have kicked it in the middle. I mean, it was close enough. That was a chip shot. Uh, I think it's just ridiculous. I cannot figure out. This guy clearly has the yips. I'm not supposed to use that word, but... He's got something, he that's got, for sure. He's got the yips. He needs some uh, He needs some special attention on campus or needs, uh, needs to take a different class or just chill the hell out somewhere and go find his Zen Buddha moment, but it's just not working at all. And correct me if I'm wrong, wasn't this punter supposed to be some Australian punter that can kind of kick this ball and let it topple over. I mean, typically those guys kick low-line drives that just b- bounce and roll all over the place. We're not getting anything. And, you know, the, the one that sticks out to me is when we took the delay of game penalty to back it up five yards, and he kicks it to the 25. Like, it barely even got to the 25 on a fly. That's not what you're doing when you give up another five yards so you can fit it in inside the 10. You got to get it there. I wouldn't even care if he shanked it out of bounds if he kept it more than 35, 40 yards. But that, I, I just, and he's not like he's under pressure at all. I mean, you got Damian Jackson back there. Um, I think Banks is on that front line where they got three guys in front of him protecting him. I mean, there's no pressure on the kid at all. I don't understand that. It, it's, it's terrible. And you can tell in the stadium, like you noted, that special teams is definitely on the mind of every fan. Every routine special teams play that we made was cheered like we just scored three touchdowns in a row. It was pretty crazy. Now, the one thing I will say that I would like out of any one of those three, if I had to choose the one that I want to work the best that is working, is touchbacks. This kid is bombing the ball out. So, you know, when we kick off now, we don't have to hold our breath, knock on wood, that they're going to catch it at the 15 or 20 and run it back to the 50 because, I mean, I don't know what his rate of touchback is for kickoffs, but it's high because he's booming the ball through the end zone. And, again, that's another skill. I mean, go back to Adi Kanalik back in the day. He was the first specialist we had that was just for kickoffs. I'm all for it. Have a guy on the roster or two or three that can do nothing but bomb it out of the back of the end zone no matter where we set up, whether we're penalized and move it back. You got to be able to kick it into the end zone. There's there's no reason our kick return team should be making tackles.
0: Yeah, they they only they returned it twice on Saturday. I'm trying to think. We probably had we probably had what I want to say at least six or seven kickoffs. Like I'm trying to think of what that. Trying to think of what that math would look like. So I mean, it's still more than half, but I know that I know that after the Fordham game, because in the Fordham game he went nine for he went nine for nine um, touchbacks, and I believe we had eleven or twelve after two games. We had like fourteen or fifteen all of last year. So we're well on well on pace to dominate that uh, that side of the game. Yeah, um, good. So last thing here, uh, you know, just want to do a quick uh, love to see it, hate to see it uh, for the Nebraska Buffalo game. Uh, Kind of starting with myself, the the thing that I'd love to see is that you can you can tell that Adrian Martinez's athleticism is fully back uh, to what we saw in 2018, his freshman year. Uh, What I mean by that is he made. Two or three guys missed um, made in, in the backfield uh, on pass plays, you know, kind of a free runner that's his, his not not necessarily a blown coverage by the line, but a free runner that's his responsibility to miss or get the ball rid of. You know, I mean he made he made one dude break his angles like he was on a basketball court. Uh, one of them, he had a free runner shoot at the middle. He ended up making a miss um, and ran and ran for 71 yards uh, down to the four yard line. Um, which is something I haven't seen him do since since 2018 um, other than you know this season he did it uh, did it in the Illinois game had a 75 yard touchdown but you can really tell that he that his comfort level with trusting his athleticism is back um, which I'm very excited to see because I'm hoping that like his you can see it he's passing the ball well the athleticism coming back if we can get the running backs to help the run game, um, I just, I, it's that three-headed monster that that's going to take even more pressure off of him and allow him to use that athleticism to, uh, to, to prevail.
1: Yeah, he definitely played really well, so we got to give it to him. But uh, you know, the, the only thing about that run, I'm sure he's getting trouble from his teammates, getting caught from behind. I mean, that's a long way to go. He's playing his guts out. Oh, was hot. It's yeah, it's a hot. I don't, I don't blame him for that. But the only reason I bring that up is we certainly don't look fast on offense. So not to rain on the parade, I'd love to see it. I'd like to see these guys
0: that are fast show it. So what uh, would you see on Saturday that you love, Joe?
1: I mean, I love to see it as linebacker play. I mentioned it before, but, I mean, we're basically playing these first couple games with two down linemen, um, at least the last two, Fordham and, and Buffalo. And we're going to see it again against Oklahoma, which we'll get into against this spread attack. We've gone, we've gone away from our base 3-4, and against these teams that like to spread it out a little bit, which we don't see a lot in the conference. Um, we're seeing two down linemen. So our linebackers are being strained. They're being asked to do a lot. And uh, that's a, that's the best I've seen a linebacking unit play in a long, long time, maybe a couple of years. Uh, we've always generally have one guy that jumps off the page. And you could say that's Reimer. But for me, it, it's very encouraging going into these tough games and conference season that we see our linebackers um, clearly are playing at a high, high level. So that that's my love to see it. They were extremely disruptive, they're, they're causing turnovers. They're causing quarterback pressures, mixing up blitzes, sniffing out plays. They need to sniff out. And just they're tackling really, really well. So
0: that was uh, it was a great thing to see
1: again on Saturday. My favorite thing with that,
0: too, is that they're they're playing above their years. Like, both of those guys have experience, but they don't have a ton of seasoned experience. So that's the part that I like is they look like they've been in the system playing on Saturdays for two or three years, and neither one of those guys, Reimer or Hendricks, has. They have experience, but they don't have – they're playing above their years, which I like to see. Yeah,
1: can you imagine if these guys are able to stay together and be healthy? And let's say they're the, they're the two that emerge – what next year looks like. And then two years from there, I mean, two years from now, we could be talking about a couple of all big 10 linebackers. I mean, clearly they they have the ability to do it. And Reimer's not a big guy. Hendricks is kind of the prototypical big guy and, and he'll get stronger, but you know, Reimer's what six one, if he's anything, I think his long hair makes him six one and gives him a little bit more weight, but he's a, He's a small guy. He can flat play linebacker. So it's he plays
0: like uh, he plays like Dylan did back in the day. Of just you know, he even even for being undersized, he throws himself through people. So it, it allows him to tackle people that are bigger than him.
1: Yeah, he hits he hits hard. So I mean, the future is bright there. And and again, that was an area that people were saying our, our weakest link on defense was linebacker, and that's so far it's been our strongest. So what did you not
0: like to see? What was your uh, what was your hate to see it there?
1: Oh, it's special teams. We're gonna go special teams again. If you see that. Written down on my sheet, we talked about it. We talked about it the entire six-hour drive back home. It's, um, I, I can't get over, I mean, even beside the fact of missing the field goals and, and our punting just being horrific, it's not even average or below average. It's, it's absolutely unacceptable to have a, a, a low average like that and not be putting the ball uh, deeper. I mean, even a 55-yard, 60-yard punt that they return 20 yards, I would take over these 35 dinkers that the guys are fair catching. So that, I, I don't understand, uh, you know, I, I know we brought a lot of guys in to kick. I um, can't figure out why, why that's it. And we're talking about the warmth of, of the summer, basically, where these balls should be flying. Wait till it's 35, you know, degrees, and what's he going to be doing? Kicking at 20 yards? So, hate to beat up on a kid, but that's, that's the way it is. And then, again, the glaring mistake by our so-called best player, who is not playing well at all. I hate to see it, so I can't understand how he can't get it through his head, you know, not to play that position better. I mean, I still say that that was questionable with people being blocked into him as he fair caught the ball. It, it shouldn't have, shouldn't have been a turnover, but it was. Um, he's got to make a better decision, and this was the game that I really wished to see Cam Taylor Britt make an impression, make a play. And I cannot think of one time again that he actually made a play on defense. So our so-called best player on the team and clearly the best player on defense right now on defense is, is number 11 for me. Hate to see that.
0: Yeah, we, uh, we, need, uh, we need to see him better. You mean uh, number five, Cam Taylor-Bred?
1: I meant number 11 out of 11 players on defense if I ranked them. So I, to clarify that, yes. There's ten other guys out there on on the eleven side of defense, and he's playing the worst of them. But yes, number five is the eleventh best player on defense, not the first.
0: Yeah. So what? Uh, so what? What? Uh, my father is alluding to here is that so Cam, uh, Cam Taylor Britt was returning a punt again. Um, it was a short punt. Calls for a fair catch as he's standing under it, waiting for it to come down. He gets there are two Husker players that essentially run into him as they're being pushed back by. Buffalo players again, kind of a judgment call. Um, so he gets taken out. Uh, the ball as it comes down hits a Nebraska player, therefore it becomes a live ball, and Buffalo recovers. Um, so you know we can we're not going to get into the specifics of it because that's a whole another ten minute conversation. But you know the simple matter of the fact is Cam taylor Britt has been back to re- back to receive three punts uh, this year uh, in each game. Um, obviously he's been back for more, but three to, in one time in each three games he's caused a turnover. From the punt return position, uh, which is just one of those things that it's just that's high school stuff that can't happen. So again, I you know I mentioned it last week. That's three times in a row this year. That's four times in his last seven games uh, back there. So you know I I you know Frost has Frost has defended him. I'm sure they're coaching him up as best they can um, in the backfield. The only thing I don't like about Frost's explanation is that you know his his argument that he gives them the best chance to make a play. Uh, which may be true, but my argument would be: how many punts? How many punts actually have actually get returned with a chance to make a play these days? I mean, it's so few and far between. Almost every single one is a fair catch, and if you can't trust the guy back there to actually catch the ball without fucking it up, I mean, what are you, like how, how is how is he your best player? I can't figure that out.
1: I totally agree, and I uh, I like the fact you're trying to get the old man with a, a senile moment forgetting this dude's number. That was perfect, but I didn't explain myself well enough when I called him eleventh uh, best. But, uh, no, you're right. I mean, at this point, I mean, he could run back three punts for touchdowns and he'd be even at best in my mind. And that's not going to happen. He's not going to run back one. So move on, get the guy back out of there, let him concentrate on defense. I mean, he's got nine games to try to redeem himself. He's playing terrible. Hate to say it, he's playing like shit. And he's got to find a way to make an impact. If you're going to be an impact player and you're talking about being drafted and you're this and you're that – you got to show up every single play every weekend. And he's not doing it. Like, I just don't even hear his number called. And, and when he – he's trying to do too much, plain and simple. I mean, I could sit here and talk about the hate to see it all, all day long in a game that we won comfortably. And most of those are Cam Taylor Britt. Plays to, to get off the field and stop a drive. He's trying to make some hero play. Or I don't know what the hell play he's trying to make. But it's absolutely terrible. His coach is backing him right now. That's gonna it's gonna slow down sooner if he keeps making sooner than later if he keeps making these mistakes.
0: Plus, I haven't seen anything out of him. You know, we we know what a punt return weapon looks like. We had Demorne Personnel, you know, six seven years ago. It wasn't that long ago. We had an elite threat at the returner position. I certainly don't see any of those characteristics in Cam. So I'm I'm interested to see if he goes back out there. Uh, you know, but obviously, you know, whatever that choice is, that's for us. I trust what he wants to do. So I'm not going to judge that part of it. I just, I just can't see him turn the ball over anymore. Um, so switching gears to the Oklahoma game this Saturday. Um, so, you know, just kind of hitting on a couple things, a couple overriding things, then we will uh, get into some more of the spe- uh, specifics here. So the first of all is this is by far going to be the most talented quarterback that Nebraska plays all year. You know, where there are some other guys that have that are good, but uh, Spencer Rattler has been uh, a top – he was a top prospect out of high school, you know, very committed to Oklahoma very early. This is his second year playing there, third year overall. Um, he's far and wide predicted to be a top 10 uh, draft pick next year. So it's by far the best talent at quarterback we're going to see. Uh, the other interesting thing is, uh, a couple notes, this is the first Power 5 um, non-conference game we have played in over two years. September 9th of 2019 at Colorado was the last time we played a Power 5 team that wasn't in the Big 10. Yeah. And this is also the first time that you and I will be traveling to an away game since Michigan in 2018. So that was three years ago. Um, and it's both of our first trips to Norman. So I'm very excited to uh, kind of resume that. You know, we went to Ohio State, Oregon, and Michigan three years in a row. We won't talk about the games that happened there, but it was fun to, uh, to be a part of those environments.
1: Yeah, it's always great to, to look forward to an away game. We always pick one every year. You know, COVID kind of messed that up, and, and uh, some other things in life kind of do that too. But this will be fun to get back on the road and go to a, an iconic place. I never had a chance to go down there in the Big 8, Big 12 days. It's one of the few places I hadn't been of those old conference stadiums, um, you know, it's one of the play I, I work in Oklahoma, so it's, you know, it's it's easy enough for me to get down there. I'm familiar enough with it, but it's going to be very, very cool to walk in that stadium. And, and you know, hey, this is what it's about. Like, uh, I, I'm not scared to go down there and play these guys. We, we've, we haven't had good luck on the road. It's going to be a tough game. But, you know, anybody can beat anybody on a given day. That sounds really stupid to say it, but it, we're, it's showing itself again with, all the games that are around the country and these teams are you look at the names that are on the board and you think there's no way in hell this team could beat that team and they do or it's close or competitive. So gone are the days of just clipping off a win on the calendar that you get, you know, at the beginning of the season and saying you're going to beat this team because of their name it's it's over and you know i'm i'm looking really forward to getting down there
0: so yeah getting to that part of it you know uh, the the line has moved a little bit but nebraska started as a 24 point underdog to oklahoma um you know really kind of using that number there what are what are your realistic expectations for the game and then also kind of bouncing over that what do you think nebraska needs to do to be in the game, meaning that it's that that we beat that spread and lose. You know what, what? do we need to do to lose by fourteen or twenty-one or or even less than that?
1: Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, I think these guys uh, on the Oklahoma side are smart. You know, they're going to get after our weakness. I, I think Rattler going to come out throwing and slinging the ball all over the place. I don't think our secondary has played well this year. You know, we've got some guys that have uh, have kind of done some good things. Quentin Newsome, Dismuke, you know, Deontay Williams. They, they, these guys have played well. But they've not seen a quarterback, like you said, of the caliber of Rattler or the receivers that are the caliber of these guys that are going to be on the other side. And Lincoln Riley is going to attack. I think he's going to come out aggressive. I don't think he's, he really doesn't have a running game to speak of. They've only got two scholarship running backs on the roster. I mean, think about that. For all the trouble that Nebraska takes in the, in the local media for this or for that, I mean – we would be jumping off of bridges if we only had two scholarship running backs. The, the world would be ending. And I know it's different when you produce. But you've got two scholarship running backs on the roster. He's not going to be running the football to try to establish that. We have a good D-line. You know, the only way we, we have a chance is to get some pressure on this guy and have a couple turnovers. But he, in my opinion, he's going to come out slinging the ball and he's going to press us. I wouldn't be shocked if he throws a bomb on the first play. Like he's gonna, he's gonna try to stomp these guys in, into submission right away. I think that's the only way to do it. I'd go if I were him. I'd go right at Cam Taylor Britt the first throw, and I would just keep pounding it, time after time after time, throwing the ball. I mean, Rattler should have 45, 50 passes in this game if, if it's me, if I'm coaching against us. And you know, the way we have a chance is our D line has got to play really strong and make sure that he doesn't leak out and get these chunk plays for no reason when we do stop him where we do have good coverage. And we got to get to him. we got to sack him. We've seen teams play him well. We saw last year when Iowa State beat him in the regular season, that's what it was. They roughed him up. And even in the, the Big 12 title game, at the beginning of that game, they were tough with him and physical. That's how you beat Rattler. And then on the offensive side, it, I mean, Martinez. it's going to come down to Martinez. They are going to stuff the box with six, seven, eight guys and make us throw. And if he turns the ball over even one time, we're done. He's got to play a perfect game, which he's capable of doing, but he's absolutely got to play a perfect game from a decision-making standpoint. He doesn't have to have flashy stats. He doesn't have to bail us out with crazy athletic plays. He's got to play a solid don't-lose-the-game type of mentality. That performance has got to be there. Throw the ball away when you don't have a chance to complete a pass. You know, don't try to throw a little five-yard, you know, stick into a window when you could run for three and get the first down. Be mindful about moving the sticks and frustrate Oklahoma. Their defense is not that good. I know statistically they're coming off the charts. First couple games, you know, they've had some tough ones, but it's always been their weakness. Even last year, the year before, the year before that, it's always been their weakness as their defense. They've got a couple of guys that that are all-world. But overall, th- these guys can be had for four and five and six hundred yards on offense. Play clean, no turnovers, and get after the quarterback.
0: Yeah, for me, for me, it's pretty easy. It simply comes down to the trenches. Um, you know, we're in a situation where that's. The biggest difference between what the conference we play in now, the Big Ten, versus the Big Twelve, where we came from, the Big Twelve has become to a uh, known as it's got a lot of offense, but they don't really play defense. Is kind of the common joke when it comes to the Big Twelve, which is why Oklahoma has struggled in playoff games previously because when they match up against an LSU or a Bama or a Clemson or an Ohio State, they get out physical, they get downed early, and then they then they make mistakes. Um, so I think that's how that's the recipe that Nebraska has to look for. Uh, if you're looking for individual matchups, it really comes down to our tackles. Um, they have two defensive ends w- that are very good. One of which is going to be a first-round draft pick next year. He's got the highest uh, pass rate pressure um, of any defender since t- 2019. So over the last three years, he's in he's in the backfield constantly. So Martinez is going to have to know where he is. He's going to have to be blocked partially, but Martinez is going to have to be ready to adapt get out of the pocket or get rid of the ball quick enough to not let him impact the game. Um as far as expectations, you know, it's it's weird. I go back and forth like I could see us getting boat raced or I could see us losing by 7 to 10. It really is just you know, we got to we got to be the more physical team. We got to win the trenches and really just Hope to make hope that they make more mistakes than we do. Hope that Rattler, which he which we've seen in the past, makes a couple errant throws and we're able to capitalize. And Martinez plays clean um, and doesn't turn the ball over for for the next uh, for the next three weeks. I think that's the. The biggest thing to look at, like if we're sitting here next week talking about Martinez had just completed this third straight game with no turnovers, it's hard for me to believe that we're not in that game or almost even win the damn thing if he doesn't turn the ball over.
1: Well, and what you said about the defensive end and defensive – you know, some of their – they've got some special players. But, I mean, I don't care who is over there. I don't care if it's T.J. Watt on the end playing against them. They could put him on the field against us. It doesn't matter. This guy has got to make decisions. You can be all world, but you've got a four-, five-, six-yard run to get to the quarterback. So if you can't make a decision or manage around that player, then uh, then we, we got we're going to be in trouble. And I'm not I'm not of the opinion that Frost needs to come out and and run the ball to establish the run. I mean, this is everything but the kitchen sink needs to come out. In fact, I'd love to see them you know run the what is it the Black Forty One reverse flash pass like they did back in the day. I mean, anything. Let's find some ways to do things. And I tell you what, there's not one person watching this game or going to this game that thinks we have a freaking chance in hell of winning. So I would be telling these guys all week long, we're going to come out and we're going to beat the living shit out of them. We're going to make this a bloodbath. We're going to piss them off. We're going to hit them. We're going to keep hitting them. And that's all we're going to do. And frustrate the hell out of Oklahoma. They do not play well when they're pressed. If you give them space and you let them run around and be athletes, they'll kill you. If you sock them in the nose, you get physical and really push them around. Then we got a ball game. We got something to go. I don't care if helmets fly. I don't care if flags are out there. In this game, I don't care if we see personal fouls for unnecessary roughness. Whatever the case is, I want guys on the ground. I want our guys fighting, and I want to see some fire. If I don't see that Saturday, I'll be I'll be disappointed because that flight down there. I mean, national broadcast. You know. Uh, this is a big noon game for Fox. I mean this is this is huge. We got Gus Johnson and, and Joel Klatt on the call. I mean this is this is the primetime game that everybody in the country is gonna see. Regardless of the score, do you wanna see your team come out and just kind of plot around and not really play hard? I wanna see them play hard and I wanna see them play physical. We've got the bodies to play physical. There's a lot of areas we're bigger than this team. They may have some more better athletes, but they're not bigger. They're not more physical, they're not stronger. We got a chance to see a statement being made on Saturday, and that's what I want to see.
0: And on top of that, from the team perspective, what you know internally, what they can be talking about. You know, obviously, we sat here a couple weeks ago after the Illinois game, and things were uh, things were pretty down. Things were pretty down locally. Things were pretty down even for us, uh, just as fans not in the Nebraska area. Um, a good a good game, not meaning a victory, a, a good a well played game on Saturday erases most of that because this this has been Oklahoma's been a top five team for like the last five, six years. They've had two Heisman quarterbacks in the last in the last decade. Like it's been a very very good program. And us going us going to their house and playing toe to toe with them with four quarters would leave a lot of fans uh, satisfied with with that game. I think it can happen. Um Yeah, I'm. I'm very. I'm. Yeah, obviously, I I love college football, so I'm excited to see uh, an an old opponent of ours. uh, You know, excited to be down um, in the South for the for really the first time, which will be fun. Um, But the secondary part of this game of why it is so big is uh, this year in 2021 is the 50th anniversary of what is commonly known as the game of the century, which was Nebraska at Oklahoma in 1971 Uh, that game was one versus two Nebraska was one and Oklahoma was two Uh, it was Nebraska's second to last regular season game it was our last conference game Uh, we had come off a national championship the year before in which we had beat Oklahoma Uh, and so this uh, had a lot of buildup into it one of the one of the most competitive games of the century like I mentioned that's not me saying that as a Husker fan that's What everyone says, Uh, Johnny Rogers, uh, our Heisman-winning running back, starred in that game. Uh, He had a very famous punt return that we still see because you know the call is electric. His punt return is electric, uh, and the Huskers would go on to win their second consecutive um, Orange Bowl and second consecutive national title in 2021, or in (laughs) that would be sweet, in 1971. Excuse me, Uh, but it was interesting. I looked it up. Uh, that was so. Nebraska won the game. That was we won it. Um, I think we won it by four uh, against Oklahoma in 1971. Yeah, that that was the only game we won that year by single digits. Every other game was was double digits, which I thought was uh, thought was pretty impressive. Um, I guess any uh, any build up on that going into the game.
1: No, obviously I don't remember the game. So I was waiting for that joke, even though I was alive. I do not remember the game, but uh, no, it's it's Nebraska Oklahoma is is. I mean, this was this was what it was. In the Big 8 and Big 12 days, whoever won that game, won the conference, got a chance to play in the Orange Bowl, and most of the time they were playing for a national title. That's just the way it was. So, you know, you, you wanted your shot at the Orange Bowl because anything less was a disappointment. Um, so I'm fired up. There's a lot of personalities that have played on both sides, a lot of great players that have played on both sides. I wouldn't be shocked if T.O. and Barry Switzer were part of this game down there. Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if is going T.O. is going to be there. But... This is going to be the pageantry of college football. And again, it's regardless of the score, we got to play hard. And and, and, uh, you know, I don't expect this to be a good result. I expect a loss. I shouldn't expect one, but I do against this team. They're great. They're way ahead of of where we're at. But you can really catch up in one game. That's all it takes to get back. And this could be the game. This is an opportunity. I mean, that entire flight down there, if I'm Ty Robinson, I'm any of those D linemen, if I'm any of those O linemen, I mean, no one's talking about you. This is the perfect opportunity for them to come in and, and start slinging and punching and, and and fighting for every chance they can. I mean, it's we, – we've seen these guys. I mean, even the, the first home game, we were staying at the same hotel where the team does at the Cornhusker and getting ready to walk over to the stadium. And we saw them coming out to get on the bus. I mean, these are just – these are, are guys. They're not gods. I mean, we, we sit here and think in a helmet and watch them on TV. They're invincible. But – You know, we got the same size guys as they do. We got to come out and play. Who wants it more?
0: Alrighty, uh, definitely think it's a very good, uh, very good, informative episode. I'm excited to see what uh, what this weekend holds. A lot of uh, a lot of stories to be told on next week's episode. Wrapping things up, and yeah, I know that yeah, I'm in the same boat that you are. I, I don't think Nebraska quite pulls it off. You know, it's kind of a, it's an interesting thing to predict us to win. You know, that makes it just those extreme homers. Um, but the position I'm going to take is I'm going I'm going to take Nebraska plus 17 is where I'm going to hit it. I think we we'll, I think we'll well cover what the spread is currently. Uh, and mostly just because I'm betting that Spencer Rattler is going to be erratic, make a couple bad throws, cause some turnovers. Um, I'm going to assume that we play a clean game and, and can take advantage of those turnovers. Uh, I certainly don't think we'll kick, we'll kick a field goal. I think they will, because I don't have any confidence that we'll make one. Um, but I think that they will. Uh, I think that they'll end up taking care of us by about fourteen or seventeen, which I would, which I would be comfortable with, even if we don't. If we, if we don't play well, even if we don't play well, if we cover and we're close enough to with a, that good of a team is going to make me feel good. How
1: many points do you think Oklahoma is going to score on Saturday?
0: My best, my guess would be thirty-eight or at least thirty-eight plus.
1: Okay, that sounds about right. Well, I'm going to take the same tact. It's, it's. This is going to be a loss. I don't see any other way. If I hope I'm wrong, but for me, it's. Uh, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say it's 41-20. I'm gonna say we do kick a field goal, but I'll say 41-20, three touchdowns. Um, I just don't see a way that the secondary at this point is gonna be able to contain Rattler. That's where the game is for me. Um, Not only do we have to hit the kid, but we got to pick him off, we got to tip balls, we got to keep him from getting in rhythm, Um, no yards after the catch, that kind of thing. Otherwise, they put up big points. But I just don't see a way that we can score enough to to stay with them. And I'll I'll say 41-20, and it's a loss. And just as a side note for this, and we talk about these three-game snippets, not to get ahead of ourselves, but you kind of want to chunk the season up into four three-game sets. We went 2-1 and in the first one. It feels good to have a winning record. Even if we lose on Saturday, we go back to 2-2, and and we're 500. But those next two games, looking ahead just a bit, are winnable games. you got a conference game on the road against a team you can and should beat. And then you've got a home game against a team that may be one of the worst in the Big Ten, right there with us that we have to win. So, you know, even though this might be a loss to start that next three game set in this second, you know, part of the season, the second quarter of the season, then uh, we got a chance to go two and one again. And you know, who knows? We could be talking four and two by the time we hit that Michigan game at home. So I'm looking forward to getting down there, but uh, this is going to be a loss.
0: All right. Any uh, obviously know you kind of close it out there with that. Uh As always, go Big Red. Let's go catch a flight. Yeah, go Big Red.